The Truth News Network. At one time, the government would not permit you to watch Elvis Presley shake his hips on TV. It was too racy. Have you been to a grammar school lately? Because that's where the fight to save or destroy the culture really is. Literally, on the home front, separating parents from their children and submitting kids to the worst kinds of pressures and manipulations. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. That's just one truth you're going to hear about today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Let me just say this. You are in store for probably the most intense show ever heard here at TNN Live. I struggled for a term to come up with, but let me say this. You need to buckle up because we're going to dig in, and many of you, even though what you're going to hear is 100% factual, you may not want to hear some of it. I'm just warning you. For the rest of you, if you are here to get facts, if you want facts and you want specifics about many of the things that are happening right now today in our country, you're not only going to want to lock in and listen intently to the show live today. You're going to want to grab it when it shows up on the various podcast hosting sites. Many of you already use, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, on and on and on and on. But it's full of things, many of which are going to shock you. Some of you, they won't, because you're a regular here, And we keep you abreast of the latest going on in our nation at every level, every day. So when and what are we going to weigh into all this stuff? Let's just do this. Let's pause for a few minutes. This may be the calmest, most pleasant thing you hear on the show this morning. Girls falling from the sky But in the dense rainforest heat Somehow I landed on my feet With the will to survive And in the heart of darkness Without a chance of rescue I never quit just refused I thought of you Somehow I knew I'd find you Following my heart's compass That your love Your love was leading me back to you Now the ordeal is over Now I can feel your heartbeat And your love Your love is leading me back Daylight 
entrenched politicos in the Washington, D.C. landscape. You'll probably hear, if you stick in with me on this show for two hours, you'll probably hear from 40 different people. And I'm not going to belabor you with talking about making allegations and pointing fingers. I'm going to let people, the people, tell you for themselves exactly who they really are. And almost every moment of this show today is going to be about the United States of America, our current position in the world, the way our government is falling to pieces, and it's not accidentally, it's purposeful. In every instance, like Jack Smith doing what he did, and everybody knew he was known to do these kinds of things, he's had several, multiple cases overturned, even one unanimously by the U.S. Supreme Court. Many others. He's a bulldog. Facts, truth, don't matter. It's political cause. It's a chance to put somebody that has different political views to put them down. And let let me just tell you this. I know you've heard what the charges are. A lot of it has to do with January 6th, finger pointing, yada, yada, yada. Not accepting a fair election, trying to overturn a peaceful and truthful and legal election, all that kind of gibberish. And he's just started now throwing everything he can against the wall, the Donald Trump wall. Do you know that special counsel Smith's indictment yesterday includes several very weighty felonies? And one of them, you're not going to believe this. Sit down for you're You're just not going to believe this. One of them, if convicted of, comes with the death penalty. 18 U.S.C. Code 241, conspiracy against rights. It includes a penalty up to 10 years in federal prison, but it adds that if death results from the actions covered under this provision, the offender may be executed. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or any privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States or because of his having so exercised the same, or yada, 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 yada. It goes on with some more. And here's what the consensus is. They shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And if death results from the acts committed in violation of this section, or such acts include kidnapping or an attempt to kidnap, aggravated sexual abuse, or an attempt to commit aggravated sexual abuse, or any attempt to kill, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for any term of years or for life or both, or may be sentenced to death. One person died on January 6th. You hear all of the leftists, they're out there still saying five, six, seven people were killed because of Donald Trump that day. One person died. I watched that one person die in a video 
Ashley Babbitt, a former military service woman, was in the Capitol building, unarmed, not threatening anybody, and a Capitol cop from behind shot her unprovoked, shot her in the left side of her neck, and she bled out and died on the floor of the Capitol. One person died. That Capitol cop, well, wait a minute. Let's go to the coroner in Washington, D.C. Of course, that body of Ashley Babbitt had went to be examined to come up with the official cause of death. And you know what that leftist coroner in Washington, D.C. determined Ashley Babbitt's death was from? Homicide. She was murdered. The Capitol Police officer that did that, he didn't lose one day at work. He was not prosecuted, and he was a hero to the left. Democrats and even some of Trump's Republican opponents, they've tried to blame him for apparent efforts by some of the rioters to kidnap Vice President Mike Pence, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. And Smith is going to try to argue that because they want Donald Trump not in the White House. They don't want him in Bedminster, New Jersey or Mar-a-Lago, Florida. They want him behind bars and they're willing to say anything and do anything to see that that happens. Oh, he, 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 he wouldn't accept the results of a legal election. I'm kind of trying to hold my breath and I'm watching the numbers of people that are logging in and I'll tell you, you'll understand why in just a second. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and do it now. For those of you that are recording this show and many people do, make sure your recorder is running because this whole thing centered around Donald Trump would not accept the results of the 2020 presidential election. And he tried to do all kinds of things illegally and did a bunch of illegal things that Jack Smith is going to try and convict him for. You're going to hear a little bit during this show about the actual process that is already underway to see Donald Trump hanging by his toes somewhere in a dark prison cell. You are supposed to just pay attention, believe what you hear about election results, don't even think about or listen to any people that lie to you and tell you any elections or cheating. There's cheating going on. You can't believe that. You can't believe those people, and don't you dare question Don't you dare question the results of any fair election that happens in the United States. So, in 10 seconds, push your record button. What are you going to hear? You're going to hear 10 minutes of election interference claims. Every one of these, this is back-to-back, bam, bam, bam. Out of their own mouths, you're going to hear them This is from the 2000 election, the 2004 election, the 2012 election, the 2016 election, and even down in Georgia, 
the gubernatorial election, who are you going to hear from? Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, multiple members of the House of Representatives currently, some are gone, and also from the Senate. Every one of them a Democrat. And they all claim elections were stolen. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He is an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice president of <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. And he was put in office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is illegitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election. And and in that sense, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> the Russian attempt to hack, to hack the election, and frankly, the FBI's uh, weighing in on the election, I think make the, make, makes his election illegitimate. There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed, history will discover, but you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigan stuff going on and not come away with an idea like, whoa, something's not right here. The outcome of the election was affected by their interference. And now we need to know, you know to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the uh, with, so with Russia. He knows he's an illegitimate president. So of course he's obsessed with me. And I believe that it's a guilty conscience. We actually won the last presidential election, folks. They stole the last and Al Gore won that election. I think he won it anyway. Actually, I think I carried Florida. Bush versus Gore. A court took away a presidency. If all the votes were counted in Florida, that Al Gore would be president today and George Bush would be backing off. I come from Florida, where you and others participated in what I call the United States there's no doubt in my mind that Al Gore was elected president. I rise to object to the fraudulent 25 Florida electoral votes. I must object because of the overwhelming evidence of official misconduct. 
deliberate fraud chair, and an attempt the to chair must remind It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. The Supreme the, uh, Court, not the is, people of the United the, States, decided this election. Speaking to a Democratic group in Chicago Tuesday, he made it clear he thinks Al Gore was the winner. By the time it was over, our candidate had won the popular vote. And the only way they could win the election was to stop the voting in Florida. Catherine Harris, Jeb Bush, Jim Baker, and the Supreme Court hadn't tampered with the results. Al Gore would be president. The yeah, Supreme yes, Court elected the president. Yes. Al Gore won the state of Florida in 2000, although not the presidency. But the Supreme Court tampered? That's a large charge. The Supreme Court stopped the counting of the votes, and if they let the count go on, Al Gore would have got the necessary vote. The Supreme Court selected George W. Bush as the president. He was not elected. There is overwhelming evidence that George W. Bush did not win this election. What I observed uh, as a voter, as a citizen of Illinois uh, four years ago, were troubling evidence of the fact that not every vote was being counted. I don't think that George W. Bush won the election. Uh, in 2000, I guess they'll go because I, th I think that he probably lost Florida and also that nationwide. If you invite me back on this show in about eight weeks, I think you're going to learn that Al Gore actually did get all the votes there. The court has been thwarting formation of the popular will. The most spectacular example being Bush versus Gore, where the majority by a 5-4 vote enjoined the counting of more than 100,000 ballots in Florida and essentially gave America its first court-appointed president. <laughs> I think in 2000, everybody thought, well, he did win the election, Al Gore. After the election, when you stole the election, you came back here and said, get over it. No, we're not going to get over it. You know it. I know it. They know it. We won that election. Constantly shifting vote tallies in Ohio and malfunctioning electronic machines which may not have paper receipts, have led to additional loss of confidence by the public. The right to vote has been stolen from qualified voters. In 2004, the democratic process was thwarted. The 2004 presidential election in Ohio was riddled with unnecessary problems. Some machines malfunctioned, causing votes to be counted more than once, or not at all. Based upon an inordinate number of allegations suggesting gross voting rights violations and misconduct, I join with my colleagues in objecting to counting the state of Ohio's electoral votes. As in 2000, the votes of many who wanted to vote were not, in fact, counted. This last Friday night, I, I arranged to meet Senator Kerry at a fundraiser to give him a copy of my book. He told me he now thinks the election was stolen. The wife of John Kerry said she has lingering doubts about the legitimacy of the election. Her theory goes like this. Two brothers, she calls hard right Republicans, own 80% of the voting machines in the U.S. Therefore, it would be easy to hack into the mother machines that control the electronic voting. There were numerous irregularities in Ohio, including large percentages of rejections of provisional balloting, problems with voting machines. As we look at our election system, I think it's fair to say that there are many legitimate questions about its accuracy, about its integrity. There are still legitimate concerns over the integrity of our elections. I agree with tens of billions of Americans who are wor very worried that when they cast the ballot on an electronic voting machine, that there is no paper trail to record that vote.
the numerous irregularities that occurred with the electronic voting machines in Ohio on November the 2nd of last year point to an unresolved national crisis. We cannot declare that the election of November 2nd, 2004 was free and clear and transparent and real. There must be independent testing of the voting machines used in Ohio. I'm not confident that the election in Ohio was fairly decided. We know that there was substantial voter suppression and the machines were not reliable. The members of Congress who have brought this challenge are speaking up for their aggrieved constituents, many of whom may have been disenfranchised in this process. Treating today's electoral vote count in Congress as a meaningless ritual would be an insult to our democracy unless we registered our own protest against the obviously flawed voting process that took place in so many of our states. Voters who wish to cast a vote for president or vice president can't approach the polls with certainty that their vote will be counted. One of the most significant problems in Ohio and in many other states was the lack of measures to ensure the integrity of electronic voting machines. In 2004, they caused Democratic voters in Ohio to wait for eight hours before they could cast their ballot. They turned the Department of Civil Rights and the Justice Department into the Voter Suppression Division with voter ID laws, voter purging, voter caging, voter intimidation. There aren't going to be any more election stealings. And despite the final tally and the inauguration and the situation we find ourselves in, I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. Without voter suppression, Stacey Abrams would be the governor of Georgia. Andrew Gillum is the governor of Florida. You refuse to concede and say that you lost. Do you stand by that decision today? Absolutely. The election was not fair. The process was not fair. If Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, they stole it. It's clear. It's clear. I think that Stacey Abrams' election is being stolen from her. It was not a free and fair election. Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. But will I say that this election was not tainted, was not a disinvestment and a disenfranchisement of thousands of voters? I will not say that. Some of the highest profile people, many of who are still in government. Several of them are gone, have passed away. Jimmy Carter, former president, was one of those people that was there expressing his thoughts about the 2004 election and also about Donald Trump not being elected fairly. Jimmy Carter, peanut farmer, probably until Joe Biden, the absolute worst president, especially for U.S. economics and for the American people than any other president, like he knows. And then you heard the usual pontificators, the talking heads, they were out there. They don't want anybody to remember. You heard about 10 of those people were standing in the halls of the U.S. Senate and the House of Representatives and were officially objecting to the election results that, remember, remember the election results when they're certified by governors and they go to the Electoral College and the Electoral College cast their votes. It's official. And you're an insurrectionist if you question it. But not any of them. They were just exercising their First Amendment rights. If you joined us late, My temperature is very high today. (laughs) And let let me just 
Let me just stop right here and tell you something. You know, many of you are here every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, Steve Baker joins us in the second hour. Steve Baker's an investigative journalist, a really good one. He's one of the top ones in the D.C. area right now, especially. And a lot of it has to do with January 6th and the horrors of that day. When Steve is on our show, every time Steve's on our show, we have the ability to hear, to look at the uh, screens that show where people are listening from live to TNN Live. And it has cities and states. It has IP addresses. We don't know who these people are. But Steve and I laugh about it regularly. Every time he's on this show, there are two numbers that pop up, not numbers, but IP addresses, and they're from Langley, Virginia. What's in Langley, Virginia, the CIA? Now, does that mean they're listening in surreptitiously? No, because they know we have the ability to do that. Every podcaster, every radio station that streams its products online has that same ability. But they're doing it to make sure we understand they're listening to the things that Steve Baker brings to this show. I don't ever remember a day that I saw Langley, Virginia IP addresses on this show other than when Steve's here. Right now, there are three IP addresses that are listening to this show. And I think, I um, I don't even think, I know there is an all-out effort, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. You look at what's going on around you in your life, and look what's happening to your freedom of speech. Look what's happening to the free speech rights of every American. Do you have a social media account? Do you tweet? Do you use Facebook? Do you ever share your opinions on any of these and other social media sites? Do you ever get into conversations with other people online about your political views? Guess what's happened in the last four years? Americans are afraid or fearful because they're finding out the yuppity yucks at YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and pretty much every other social media site where people post their opinions is being monitored by our government. There's no question it's happening. And so what are they doing? They have weaponized the Department of Justice, the FBI, and Merrick Garland and the the rest of the DOJ, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, and they're using it to stifle Americans' First Amendment rights of free speech. It's happening everywhere. The three IP addresses, one of them signed off. There's two now, only two, from Langley, Virginia, listening in. They're just listening in to send a message. That's all they're doing. And don't think that kind of thing doesn't happen to all of us. Again, it's no longer a conspiracy. It's been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. So you heard 10 minutes of Democrats. Every one of those were Democrats, including former presidents, current and former vice presidents, senators, Dozens of members of the House of Representatives and Senate members, U.S. Senate members, all of them claiming 
those elections were stolen. Why were they stolen? Because Republicans won those elections. And we all know, ho, 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 this is a Democrat Party world, and they're supposed to control everything in politics. And when they don't, screw the American people. You know, the ones that voted for those people, those horrible Republicans, screw them. They're just nothing but a bunch of extremists, MAGA folks, mega MAGA folks, come up with another name. They got to denigrate everybody that thinks differently than they. And guess what's happening? Fear is gripping the hearts of everybody in the political system on the left side of the aisle. And you know why? Because we, the people, are standing up and voicing our opinions even in the face of being crushed our First Amendment rights being systematically taken away from us. And you know how you know it's really happening? When it's pointed out specific instances of that, they just shake their heads and blow it off. They don't care anymore. They have no accountability to their bosses. They used to, but not anymore. Well, what do you mean, Dan, they used to? Well, the voters would send them to D.C., why do we vote for these people? Because they tell us the things they're going to do for us when they get there. And in days past, that was pretty much the practice. You go up there, you go up there with messages that come from your congressional district and your state that you're representing the people in, and you vote for them and what they want and what they don't want. Bam, that's it. Now, That falls down on the list. It may be a consideration, and not in every case, but in many, many, many cases, the people's will, the people's wish, doesn't even show up on their priority list. And if you're even on that list, you're way down below what they want to accomplish to enrich themselves personally and, of course, to open the floodgates of success and financial success at using the people's money for payback, quid pro quo. You vote for me, you give me a campaign contribution, this is what I'm going to do for you. Once again, you can quote me on this, their feelings almost without exception in the Democrat Party. Screw the voters. We're the bosses. We know what is right. We know what is best for them. We don't even have to listen to them. We're just going to shove it down their throats. Do what we want to do. Can you be a little more specific now? Let's just do a little rundown. What's going on right now in our government? Well, Democrats control both the Senate and the White House. Democrats use the media as their unofficial messengers to all of us. The Department of Justice, Attorney General Merrick Garland, through the actions that we watch every day, all of them, us Americans, they've weaponized all of their power against conservatives of every kind. The FBI, even with a Republican as an FBI director, we're told Christopher Wray, he's a registered Republican. The FBI is part of the weaponization of government against us all. Example, 
the proof that the FBI used all social media outlets to still the First Amendment rights of every American. And of course, they did it in the name of quelling, dis, or misinformation. We've got to control those things. Joe Biden, as president without the use of Congress, he's used executive orders, almost so many we can't even know the number, and other executive edicts to ignore the rule of law, forget about it, in numerous ways, and commits by himself and authorizes others in his administration to ignore laws. And the reason they say they can do that or they need to do it is because we don't think those laws are fair and we're going to walk around them instead of changing them in the democratic way. We're just going to ignore them and do it our way. And now there's a presidential election 16 months away. The DOJ has consistently made clear to all of us they will never indict anyone in government leadership during an election cycle, right? They're the ones that authored that. It's not a law. It's not in the Constitution. It's just being smart and fair. Yet Donald Trump is facing numerous indictments, certain court action, during his campaign and during the election cycle. And they're doing it in this time frame purposefully. Justice? (laughs) Come on now. It's not being meted out evenly for all alleged offenders under Attorney General Garland and FBI Director Ray. And there are numerous examples. Let me just give you a few. The presidential classified document process It's been weaponized against Joe Biden's leading opponent for president. Now, this is the DOJ doing that, FBI. Trump is pummeled every day in the media about the Mar-a-Lago document scandal. This is going on while Mr. Joe, who never was a president when he took 1,800 boxes of classified documents over his years, In the Senate and vice president, he held some of those documents in his think tank at the Penn Center in the office next door to the communist Chinese office at University of Penn. It's a fact. Some of them he took to two different residences of his, somewhere in the garage right next to his Corvette. Trump had the Mar-a-Lago documents stored and locked in storage with 24-7 secret service protection. Every classified document held by Joe Biden, his having them is a felony, punishable by jail time and or heavy fines. He had zero authority to have even one. Jack Smith... Jack Smith's special counsel. He's publicly kept the nation abreast of all of the alleged Trump document wrongdoing. And we've never heard a single word about the special counsel's investigation of Biden's 1,800 boxes of classified documents in his possession, has been many of them for decades, and every document he had 
having it is a felony. And he's our sitting president. Overnight, we heard about the new Trump indictments for January 6th alleged criminal action. Multiple legal and constitutional experts consistently maintain it will be nearly impossible to convict Trump for the alleged illegality these indictments are targeting. Uh, But what happened to abstaining from such investigation during an election cycle, right? Hunter Biden, he's even in this conversation. Hunter's wrongdoing and illegality has been in the news for five years and top of news for at least three and a half. Numerous documents, text, emails, bank records now, photos, testimony, under oath, indicate it's more than likely that Joe is involved, was involved, and is involved, and not only assisting his son in his business ventures, but Joe almost certainly received money from those foreign individuals and corporations, and yes, Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, they have more, a dozen more red flag warnings that they are getting from the U.S. Treasury for additional massive amounts of wire transfers into Biden's various bank accounts. It's still going on. Yes, the Biden family syndicate and its members even bragged that all that money will almost be impossible to trace because of the way they structured receiving those funds into shell corporations, which then pass it on to other shell corporations. They do that multiple times before it ever gets to a Biden family member account. And now the number is getting close to 50 million such dollars involved in this. Well, Where's the money? Well, we can't see the money. Where is it? The Rehoboth Beach property. It's a $4.7 million beach property. The other one, the one that he goes to most of the time, it's only a $2 million property. Where'd they get the money? Jill's a teacher at a community college. Joe at the peak of his career was vice president, now president. All this stuff we've talked about, he's had it for years. Where'd it come from? The DOJ hasn't even looked at any of this. Certainly haven't ordered investigations into it. The only investigations that happened were initiated by the GOP and congressional committees through witnesses and whistleblowers. The DOJ, they're not looking into anything, and if they found it or know about it, They're just making a note. You know why they make a note? It's politics. You need to have anything and everything you can get on somebody because someday you're going to need a favor and you've got to have something to hold over their heads. Let's move on. The DOJ and FBI, they put targets on the backs of every conservative in the nation who dares to share publicly their feelings of possible election wrongdoing in 2020. There was voter fraud in that election. It's been proven in court in numerous instances since that election. But what did they do? They scared the bejesus out of a bunch of people. Did you by chance happen to see the documentary 2000 Mules? 
I know that many of you that are listening, you went and saw it. We did. There's been no mention at all. There's been no attempt to even disprove the massive video evidence that I saw of massive voter fraud in two major cities in the 2020 election. Where were those? Philadelphia and Atlanta. People stuffing ballot boxes 24-7 in the middle of the night. Thousands in drop boxes. The same people. They were ballot mules. They had a name. That's what they were calling themselves. Nobody said anything about that. The FBI, DOJ have scared the media so much by prosecuting many who simply exercise First Amendment rights, just like I'm doing right now. Talking about the election fraud, it is real. And before the show is over, I'm going to give you the latest documented numbers for 2020 voter fraud. And you know how I found it? I just went and did a little research. It's documented with hard, cold evidence. Facts don't matter, though. Laws at the state level have been passed in numerous states to right all the wrongs that they found with their voting process in 2020. Yet the DOJ still stifles conversations that are used in First Amendment stories, social media posts, TV and radio productions, and they're doing it in the name of hate speech or mis- or disinformation. Fox News, the world's most famous conservative news network, they settled a $2 billion lawsuit with Dominion voting machines for charges of fraud by Fox publishing stories and airing reports from others that detailed voter fraud in Dominion voting machines. That should have been a signal to everybody. Our DOJ has opened the door to muzzle free speech for anybody who say the politically incorrect things about elections and election fraud. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this, but just for a second, let's just just look at a few differences of our nation when the orange man was president compared to where we are today. Yesterday's real clear politics right direction wrong track average. Only 24% of voters think the country is on the right track. 66% say the wrong track. The latest winning the issues, that's called WTI, winning the issue survey, was conducted June 19th through the 21st. It was done by the Winston Group. Found that independents at 18% say we're going in the right direction, 67% the wrong direction. When voters were asked an economic right direction, wrong track question, the poll found 25% right direction, 61% who said the economy's on the wrong track. They asked voters whether they believe the Biden administration has taken historic actions to lower costs for American families, Biden's on the losing end. 30% believe that statement. 60% aren't buying it. Cut to the chase. When asked if Biden's economic plan is working, 
by a margin of 31 to 55%. People said they don't believe it's working. Even worse for the Bidenomics narrative, a majority of respondents said they don't believe inflation is getting better. 22% better, 56% worse. People don't believe Biden's claims about inflation, such as those he made in a recent Wall Street Journal opinion editor piece. Our work isn't done, but as supply chains continue to unsnarl, company profit margins fall from historically high levels, and rents continue to moderate, inflation should decline even further, creating more breathing room for working families. Wise words from Joe Biden. He seems to have forgotten that corporate tax revenues and American tax revenues played a key part in a 43% increase in federal revenue over the past two years. Because the year-over-year consumer price index, CPI, inflation rate, that reached 9.1% last June has come down to 4%. The media narrative, well, at least in the ideas and minds of CNN, they put it, asserts that inflation is coming back down to earth. Wow. But here again, the media and the Biden team, they're missing the point. A better reflection of just how well Bidenomics is performing is the Winston Group's presidential inflation rate, PIR, President's Inflation Rate. It measures the president's handling of inflation from their inauguration month to the month of the most recent CPI report. It helps explain the disconnect between the Biden economic narrative and the American people. Biden's PIR is based on the January 2021 CPI when he took office and the May 2023 CPI report. The percent difference between these two important index points, it shows the overall price increase since Biden took office, which is a better measure of his policies than the year-over-year inflation rate increase or decrease. You'll never hear anybody in the Biden administration talk about PIR. And you know why? Let me just say this. They gave the same analysis for Presidents Donald Trump, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, and even Jimmy Carter. You want the numbers? In April, Biden's overall inflation rate, 16%. In the May report, his inflation rate had increased to 16.3%, which means prices have gone up 16.3% since he was sworn into office. Of the previous seven presidents, only Carter had a worse number. You want a little more context? In their first term, four presidents, Trump, Obama, W., and Clinton, never had a 4% inflation rate or higher in any month. Collectively, that comes to 192 months without inflation. That was over 4%. In contrast, During his 29 months in office, Biden has had 26 months with inflation running off the scale at over 4%, reaching a 40-year high of 9.1% last June. According to his PIR, presidential uh, inflation rate, 
looking at specific categories, food prices up 19% since the start of his term. And that's up from last month, by the way. Gas prices have come down from their peak, but are still at a staggering high 51.4% increase. 51.4% increase since he's been president. Electricity? Cost for electricity also high, 21.8% up. Biden and company like to claim success on inflation, but compared to four recent former presidents, his inflation record is abysmal. Bidenomics isn't working, hadn't worked, and it's not going to work. And they're lying to the American people when they claim, oh, things are good. And things are getting better. So, folks, as we go to our first break of the day, almost an hour into the show, if you think it gets lighter, if you think you've heard all the bad stuff, you haven't heard anything yet. I would suggest if there's someone you love dearly, During this break, you get them on the phone and tell them how to get on this show live because the information that's still to come will blow their minds and it will blow yours. It's one of those things we know a lot about here, you and me, but a lot of other people don't quite know. You know why? It's the truth. (laughs) Truth. More truth. Up next. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room, slash gym. The guest bedroom, slash music studio. The day bed, slash dog bed. The living room, slash yoga shanti, slash regional office slash classroom and this is the basement slash panic room maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home find yours on the verbo app does it matter to you that all our chefs are well trained or that our kitchens are both slsi and gmp certified that we freshly bake goodies throughout the day well It matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Saying it out loud. No spin. Only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. So why don't we do... A little step to the side just for a few minutes and take a break away from this recent insanity. Let's go back and pick up a little uh, aged insanity. 
I'm going to get in trouble. Still got two of those Langley, Virginia IP addresses listening to the show. Why am I going to get in trouble? Because of what I'm about to talk to you about. By a margin of 52 to 40 percent, voters in America believe that cheating impacted the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Oh, no, you're not going back there, Dan. We put that all to bed. Even Fox News won't talk about the cheating that went on. Yeah, they got bought off. (laughs) BlackRock bought them off. You know, it was interesting. When they settled, BlackRock, When they settled, when Fox News settled with Dominion, the next day after the settlement was announced, BlackRock bought a huge chunk of stocks in Fox News' parent company, trading on the stock market. Everybody could see it. I looked it up. I heard about it, and I looked it up to make sure. And you know how I found out it really happened? The same day, all of a sudden, I started seeing BlackRock commercials on Fox News, BlackRock happens to be one of the three largest equity firms on the planet. They own more stock and more companies than does anybody else, period. And they are there to rip freedom and our freedoms apart. They believe in everything that's opposite of what you came to listen to this show for. Fox News is in the tank now. And, oh, part of that settlement was they had to get rid of Tucker Carlson. I wonder why. It's not just Republicans who believe the cheating in 2020 occurred. Even 34% of Democrats believe it. 38% of those who somewhat supported President Biden still believe it. A broad range of Americans think this. Men, women, all age groups, whites, Those who are neither white nor black, Republicans, those who are neither Republicans nor Democrats, all job categories, all income groups, except those making over a quarter of a million a year, and all education groups, except those who attended graduate school, believe there was cheating, and with good reason. New research is out, peer-reviewed economics journal, Public Choice. If you want it, go to Public Choice and you can get it, what I'm telling you now. It finds evidence of around a quarter of a million excess votes, possibly as many as 368,000 for Joe Biden in six swing states where Donald Trump lodged accusations of fraud. Biden only carried these states. Who are they? Arizona. Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. He only carried those states by a total of 300,000 votes. Excluding Michigan, the gap was 159,000. Why haven't you heard about that? Well, what did I just tell you about Fox News? What other conservative outlet out there is going to go against, they know why Fox News isn't doing this and carrying this stuff now, because they were doing it before, but they got popped for more than a billion dollars and threatened with more if they didn't shut up. The point of this work is not to contest the 2020 election, but to point out that we have a real problem that must be dealt with. Americans must have 
confidence in future elections. Some Trump Trump allies like attorney Sidney Powell, who famously promised to release the Kraken and then provided no evidence, have helped to discredit these concerns. Courts have rejected challenges to the 2020 presidential vote, generally citing lack of evidence that any alleged fraud would have altered the outcome in a particular state. That's the caveat they put in on all of this. Now, we're not saying there wasn't voting, but we've not seen evidence. We've not seen any proof that the results of fraud, yeah, it happened, would have altered the outcome in any particular state. Now, how the heck would courts in Pennsylvania know that Fraud didn't alter the outcome in Arizona or Wisconsin or Michigan or Georgia or Pennsylvania. You see what I'm saying? It's not about substance. It's about a narrative that they can spin and stay below the radar screen. Republican plaintiffs argued that since their observers couldn't watch the vote counts and in many cases were prevented from seeing other evidence, They couldn't provide such proof without investigations backed by subpoena power. And nobody could get subpoena power. Still, while some judges have agreed that irregularities occurred in 2020, they weren't willing to grant discovery in the absence of evidence that fraud could reverse the election results. Did you hear that? Their reasoning? They wouldn't let discovery happen. What is that? That's when you file a lawsuit and then people from both the uh, the person filing the suit and whoever it's against, their lawyers start asking for all evidence to be presented. These judges didn't want that evidence to come out because you know what? They knew there was voter fraud. Now, let me ask you this. You've heard, and I've been told over and do you, where, Dan, where, where was there enough voter fraud to overturn an election? Well, for these reasons, I don't know. Not a single place did a judge say, let's go to discovery mode and y'all bring in the evidence. That didn't happen one time, not one time. So what good would it do? Well, let me ask you this. Here's my opinion. I'm a registered voter in Caddo Parish, Louisiana. I have one vote. I got a voice. I'm using it here and there are a bunch of people listening to me right now and will listen when they pull this podcast down later today from any one of 37 different podcast sites. They're going to hear me say this. And you know what? Nobody's going to pull an ad from this this venue. (laughs) I won. I don't care. I'm a fact checker and a fact purveyor. Truth lives in a vacuum. How many times have I told you that? I want the truth all the time. Recounts haven't even been useful in resolving fraud concerns. They merely involve recounting the same potentially fraudulent ballots again and again. Signature verification is anyway Anyway, imperfect, as election employees have as little as five seconds to check a signature. 
Amidst unprecedented numbers of mail-in ballots in that 2020 election, many states didn't even try to verify signatures. If somebody mailed in multiple ballots, there was virtually no way to catch them. And without tamper-resistant photo IDs, fraud is difficult to prove. Unless someone tries voting multiple times in the same precinct, there is no way to catch them. There are three tests of voter fraud. First, comparing precincts in a county with alleged fraud to adjacent similar precincts in neighboring counties with no fraud allegations. Precincts, voter precincts, they tend to be small, homogenous areas, and many consist of fewer than 1,000 registered voters. When comparing Trump's absentee ballot vote shares among those adjacent precincts, it showed up differences in Trump's in-person vote share and in registered voters' demographics in both precincts. Now, precincts count in-person votes. Central county and parish offices are responsible for counting absentee or mail-in ballots. A county with systemic fraud may count absentee or mail-in ballots differently from a neighboring county or parish. And we can try to detect fraud by comparing the results in bordering precincts that happen to fall on opposite sides of a county line. These precincts will tend to be virtually identical. Voters may simply be on the other side of the street from their precinct neighbors. In 2016, there was no unexplained gap in absentee ballot counts. 2020, a way, way different story. Just in Fulton County, Georgia alone, that's Atlanta. One test, documented test, yielded an unexplained 17,000 votes. 32% folks more than Biden's margin over Trump in the entire state. One precinct, Fulton County, Georgia, one city, one county. So with the focus on winning the state, there's no apparent reason why Democrats would get out the absentee ballot vote more in one precinct than in a neighboring precinct with similar political and demographic characteristics. Another one, apply the same method to provisional ballots in places like Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. Contrary to state law, voters were allowed to correct defects in absentee ballots by submitting provisional ballots on election day. Analysis found that such permissions in Allegheny County alone contributed to a statistically significant 6,700 additional votes for Biden in a state decided by fewer than 81,000 votes. And the third, artificially large voter turnouts can also be a sign of voter fraud. This fraud could come in the form of filling out absentee ballots for people who didn't vote, voting by ineligible people, or bribing people for their votes. Republican-leaning swing state counties had higher turnouts relative to the 2016 election. Interesting, huh? Democrat-leaning counties had lower turnouts, except for the Democrat counties with alleged voter fraud, which had very high turnouts. Estimates likely understate the true amount of fraud with absentee ballots. You 
really couldn't ascertain possible in-person voting fraud. Allegations have arisen of many ineligible in-person voters in Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, and Fulton County, Georgia. 2,423 voters weren't listed as registered on the state's records. 2,560 felons voted, even though they had no completion record of their sentences. And every one of those votes were fraudulent. Voter fraud erodes trust in elections, makes people less motivated to vote again. Compared to Europe and other developed countries, America is unique in its lax approach to voter fraud. When all demographic and political groups in our country support voter photo IDs, and even 46% of Democrats believe that mail-in voting leads to cheating, ignoring our concerns are not going to make the problem go away. We need change, don't we? We need change. Well, guess what? Nothing changes if nothing changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Before we shift gears, I'm going to let you listen to a short little audio soundbite. Adam Schiff, Mr. I'm trying to think of a nice name. Mr. Liar-in-Chief in the United States Congress from California. He was on a show, I guess it was yesterday or the day before, with another um, yarn stretcher, Jen Psaki, former Biden White House press secretary. And the pair talked about Trump's eye-popping legal bills because of all of this. The numbers in this Washington Post story were just eye-popping, or they felt that way. The Washington Post says that uh, that $40 million of legal costs for Trump was spent by his PACs and by his, essentially, entities paying for his campaign just this year alone. What was your reaction when you saw that? Well, it is eye-popping, but it also shows, I think, by one powerful metric, how much Donald Trump's running for presidency is part of his strategy to keep out of jail. Uh, this is all about the, the hope that he becomes the next office holder and he can make all these legal problems go away as the next president. Uh, and he's willing to spend, you know, whatever campaign contributions come his way to represent anyone that is deemed loyal to him. And th- the problem with this is we saw in the January 6th investigation how Trump appointed defense counsel for witnesses. Uh, in one case in particular, we're suggesting to a witness, hey, You should say you don't remember these things, even if you do remember them. Uh, It allows the Trump defense team basically to get their stories. Control them almost. Control them to get their stories all aligned, to coach witnesses to say they forgot things that they do remember. Uh, So it's problematic from a, uh, you know, point of justice uh, uh, point of view. But but I think this is what they're trying to accomplish. Now, this week... uh one of the pieces of new details we learned was this, of course, details in this superseding indictment. And uh, you, of course, uh, played a significant, important role in the first impeachment um, trial for Trump. As you look to the details here and as we're learning more, do you feel this case of obstruction is even more clear than the Mueller case or how do you compare them? 
You know, they're both strong in different ways. Uh, in the Mueller investigation, uh, it was Trump trying to fire people like Comey or even threatening to fire Mueller to obstruct the investigation. It was coaching witnesses to create false statements. Uh, here you have the, the willful retention of defense information, national security information, in violation of law. Then you have obstruction of the investigation where Trump is essentially directing that boxes be hidden. Uh, and then you have a effort to hide the obstruction by coaching people to destroy the security uh, footage, the video footage. So it's essentially cover up on top of a cover up. Uh, that seems, you know, very concrete, very specific uh, in a way that even goes beyond the obstruction in volume two of the Mueller report. So here, I think the case is much simpler, mm. much easier for a jury to comprehend, you know, hiding boxes, deleting security footage, or at least trying to. You don't need, uh, uh, you know, a complex explanation for it. It's such powerful evidence of the president's consciousness of his guilt. There's one reason why I played that for you. Every single thing that Adam Schiff alleged, and you need to go back and listen to that whole thing, every single thing he said is a lie. All of the stuff that he claimed that happened on the January 6th stuff, none of it happened. Allegations, not proven in one circumstance. Coaching witnesses, getting them to say they forgot there's no proof that ever happened. Not a bit. <laughs> the Mar-a-Lago stuff. Getting people to get rid of video, surveillance video. It didn't happen. It did not happen. There was no hiding of records. The National Archives have said we had access to all of them to see and the two times that we went down and met with them, we suggested that they lock with a different kind of lock one of the cabinets where they were being held. They were locked in that cabinet, but we didn't think it was sufficient. Keep in mind that was happening when 24-7 Secret Service agents are there protecting the entire residence. But Adam Schiff, oh my gosh, he no doubt is a not just a liar, but a pathological liar. Now, before we go to our second break, let me, I'm, I'm not going to make you wait through this break. A little bit of information you might need to know about or want to know about the judge, the one that uh, issued these indictments against Trump, Judge Tanya Chutkin. She's the judge overseeing Donald Trump's case in D.C. She previously worked at a law firm that employed Hunter Biden. And she worked closely with Ukrainian energy firm Burisma. She spent 12 years working for Bowie, Schiller, and Flexner. That's the law firm where she specialized in in white-collar litigation and antitrust defense before she was nominated to her current position by Barack Obama. Chutkin worked at other private sector law firms, served as a public defender in D.C. prior to her tenure at that big law firm. She graduated from George Washington University and the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Perhaps as important 
as all the skill sets that she has, she is a person of just consummate, consummate decency. That's from Don Flexner in December of 2013 when Chutkin was nominated. I think she'll be a welcome addition to the bench in D.C. Hunter worked for that firm in the same year he was appointed to Burisma's board in April 2014. He quickly brought partners in the firm into the fold to assist Burisma with its efforts to influence U.S. officials. That's according to emails that were captured from where? (laughs) Hunter's laptop. In April 2014, Hunter and business associate Devin Archer spoke about how the firm Bowie's cars could give them protection and work with government officials on Burisma's behalf. And we're not even close to being finished. Not even close. There's some real, real problems with the charges that were included in the indictment that came out yesterday. We're going to go into those in just a moment. But as we go to break, I just want to make sure everybody understands. An indictment is not a formal charge that's backed up with any kind of court hearings in which evidence is presented. When a grand jury is contemplating an indictment on anything, the person that is the subject of whatever is going on They're not in the room. Their attorneys aren't allowed to be in the room. Therefore, there's no questioning of any of the evidence that comes in. In fact, everybody on the defendant's side don't even know the particulars, the ongoing things that are being looked at and considered unless and until they're indicted, at which time they then start putting all the ducks in a row. They get the charges, they figure out what's going on, and they start discovery to start getting evidence. But boy, does it make for good television. And if you're a Democrat right now, with Joe Biden barely keeping his nose above water, and every time some of this bad news comes out, that horrible orange man's approval records and support only go up. it! we got to do something. We got to find some way to keep him from going to the White House. Oh, by the way, as we go to break, Jonathan Turley. Jonathan Turley, an accomplished constitutional attorney, he said Trump's January 6th indictment, what he's being indicted for, was for his First Amendment rights, saying what he said. And anything that would take that away or punish him is a violation of the First Amendment. That's just one little bitty truth. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Get cracking and 
feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. I got to be honest with you. We'll, can we listen to a little? I messed up. I did something I shouldn't have done, and I got caught for doing it. I apologize for that little uh, pause there. You know, we hadn't talked about giving you details on who Jack Smith really is, the special counsel. Well, let me tell you a little bit about him. He was a war crimes prosecutor. And so after that, he went to the Justice Department to lead the public integrity section. During his time in that position, the section pressed ahead with significant but very challenging prosecutions against some prominent public figures from both political parties. Prosecutors scored a public corruption conviction against former Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell, who was a Republican, But nobody wants to talk about this, but that case was later overturned by the Supreme Court. Unanimous decision of the Supreme Court. He also prosecuted former Democrat vice presidential nominee John Edwards, but a jury acquitted Edwards on one count, deadlocked on the others, and the DOJ declined to try him again. Now, he didn't lose them all. He led the unit of the DOJ when Arizona Congressman Rick Renzi was convicted of corruption, a verdict that was left in place by the Supreme Court, though Trump pardoned the Republican before he left office. Former New York State Assembly Speaker Sheldon Silver was indicted in 2015 on corruption charges, later was sent to prison. So, as was reported earlier this week, his wife, named Katie, contributed to Joe Biden and to far-left anti-Semitic Representative Rashida Tlaib. She also produced a documentary about former First Lady Michelle Obama. So Smith has the responsibility of determining whether to prosecute Trump in the connection with the Capitol riot. And of course now, after the indictment, we know he is getting ready to do it. But I thought you'd Kind of want a little bit about who Jack Smith really is. So former vice president, he just came out swinging yesterday. I was very, very let down when Mike Pence did what he did. Let me let me just say this. In various articles that we've published through the years, we have shared on numerous occasions our, and when I say our, I'm not talking just about me, but other contributors here at TNN Live and Truth News Network. I've not ever felt warm and fuzzy about Mike Pence, largely in part because 
when he was in the U.S. Congress. He didn't do anything. He didn't present a single piece of legislation. He was just there to be an attaboy guy. Who was his best friend? Former Speaker of the House, Walker, best friend. And so they were right in there with uh, the tag of Rhino, Republican in name only. I was surprised when Mike Pence got the tag to run with Donald Trump, and I just kept my fingers crossed hoping he wouldn't do anything that was, you know, unseemly or negative as it pertained to Trump's policies. And he kind of did okay during his four years there. But then he started thinking about running for higher office, and he began to consider the landscape and start saying things and doing things that made it clear he was not a friend to Donald Trump. He didn't parse words yesterday in his reaction to Trump's indictment by Jack Smith. He released a statement following Trump's indictment on charges related to that January 6th riot at the Capitol and Trump's alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Pence accused in the statement, accused Trump of, and this is a quote, putting himself over the Constitution. Pence accused Trump of putting himself over the Constitution. And he said further, a Trump candidacy would serve as a distraction from President Biden's disastrous record. Pence said, I quote, Today's indictment serves as an important reminder. Anyone who puts himself over the Constitution should never be president of the United States, Pence said. I will have more to say about the government's case after reviewing the indictment. But the accusation of his former boss was pretty evident. The former president is entitled to the resumption of innocence, but with this indictment, his candidacy means more talk about January 6th and more distractions. As Americans, his candidacy means less attention paid to Joe and Joe Biden's disastrous economic policies that is afflicting millions across the U.S. and to the pattern of corruption with Hunter. Pence declared the country was more important than one man and that the Constitution was more important than any other man's career. On January 6th, former President Trump demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. I chose the Constitution, and I always will, he said. As your president, here we go, as your president, I will not yield an inch in defending America, our people, or our values. And I promise you, I will do so in a way consistent with my oath to the Constitution and the character and decency of the American people. We will restore a threshold of integrity and civility in public life so we can bring real solutions to the challenges plaguing our nation, he added. Now, everything I quoted that he said is nothing, was nothing more than plain poppycock. And if you don't know the definition of poppycock, go look it up. It ain't nice. What you just heard was a very, very weak politician. He was weak when he was governor in Indiana. He was weak when he was a congressman from Indiana. And he was an empty suit as vice president. 
And he thinks these words that he said will resonate with the majority of Republicans. Now, let me just give you my summation of Mike Pence at this point. For him to say that, as your president, I will not yield an inch in defending America, our people, or I values. But then he went further. He promised that he will do so in a way consistent with his oath to the Constitution and the character and decency of the American people. Where in the Constitution is there anything mentioned that can even be closely related to the term decency? There was none. The people that wrote the Constitution were anything but decent. They actually had duels. And somebody died because they disagreed over stuff in the government that was being considered. Look, there's not a single Democrat, not one, that has come out or will come out and back Donald Trump on anything. You listening to this show, almost with no exception, are people that have recognized Trump's messaging sucks. He says nasty things about other people. He is a braggart. But I've, t- I've said this numerous times on this show. As Deion Sanders once said on ABC Monday Night Football, it's not bragging if you can do it. Trump bragged, but Trump did it. Trump did more in four years than Mike Pence has done for the people of Indiana when he was governor, when he was a congressman, and for the people of the United States when he was vice president. And that's why he is struggling to get enough support to even qualify for the first presidential debate. And that's also why he is joining the left now and going after Donald Trump. Anybody on the right that uses as a personal qualification their decency, what does that tell you? They're not willing to go toe-to-toe with the political opponents that rip them apart every time they get a chance. Mike Pence, by his actions yesterday and what he said that I just told you, he just painted the picture of who he really is. He is a Republican in name only. Now, maybe, just maybe we need to rethink that, that rhino thing. You know why we may need to rethink it? The people that have self-identified as rhinos, Liz Cheney, the former House representative from Ohio, the two that were supposedly representing the Republican Party on the January 6th committee, and they were anti-Trump from the very beginning. These people are becoming to be proven as nothing more than leftist light. And the Republican Party, as I always knew it, it's gone. Who started the Republican Party? Abraham Lincoln. Liz Cheney. Dick Cheney's daughter, 
Dick Cheney was a warmonger. Do you have any family members that got hurt in the battle, any one of the two battles when we went to Iraq? Needlessly, weapons of mass destruction justified George W. Bush taking us back in to get Saddam Hussein and to destroy his weapons of mass destruction. There weren't any, and they knew it. It was about the oil. Did you ever see W with the king of Saudi at his ranch out in West Texas, W's ranch, walking through, looking at the ranch stuff, television showed the pair were holding hands? It was about oil, oil and gas. Texans, oil and gas. Saudis, oil and gas. Men and women died because of those types of decisions. And Mike Pence, he identifies directly with that whole thought process. I know he's a professed Christian man. I I have no idea what his heart looks like. I just see what he says, what he does, and what he doesn't do that he should be doing if he's a true conservative. And the stuff he's saying and doing proves that, in my opinion, he's not a true conservative. And that's sad. So we've got several legal experts that have reacted to this latest, this third indictment of Donald Trump. And they sounded the alarm late yesterday on how this indictment against his alleged attempt to overturn the election prosecutes protected speech. So we know what he was charged with. George Washington University law professor, Jonathan Turley, he said... Special Counsel Smith issued the first criminal indictment of alleged disinformation. If you take a red pen to all of the material presumptively protected by the First Amendment, you can reduce much of the indictment to nothing more than a First Amendment attack. Turley said, I felt that the Mar-a-Lago indictment was strong. This is the inverse of that. He said the indictment is unfair at points, noting that it quotes Trump in his speech about encouraging people to go to Capitol Hill. But just like the January 6th committee, it omits where he says, you should go peacefully. That's what Trump said. Does that sound like, hey, we're going to go down there and blow up the Capitol and kill all those evil Democrats? He told them to go to the Capitol after that speech that morning. But he said, You should go peacefully. They don't even want to talk about the fact that Donald Trump, on his own, reached out to the National Guard a week before the January 6th event and requested the National Guard have 10,000 guardsmen in D.C. for the January 6th goings-on that were expected. Now, why would somebody that wanted to overthrow the government which would mean there would be probably physical violence that would happen that day. Why would he want 10,000 National Guardsmen there if he wanted to get the election overturned in the simplest and easiest way possible? Lawyer and town hall columnist Kurt Schleister called the indictment yesterday 45 pages of First Amendment protected activity. It's 45 pages of First Amendment-protected activity broken up by four captions listing conspiracy statutes that do not apply. 
it's not a conspiracy to use free speech and attempt to participate in the political system, no matter how badly our garbage elite wants it to be. Former New York federal prosecutor Andy McCarthy said Smith had to stretch the statutes to capture Trump's behavior. Smith has extravagantly stretched these statutes in an effort to try and capture this behavior, and that's because this is a proxy for what should have been a political impeachment process they're leaving to the criminal justice system. The failure of Congress to carry out a successful impeachment, McCarthy said. If you've got evidence that Trump committed incitement, then charge him with incitement. Don't have a prayer of a case like that in this circumstance. And another one, constitutional lawyer Robert Barnes tweeted, threatens core First Amendment freedoms in an unprecedented manner by making legal advocacy a crime, advocacy to Congress a crime, advocacy to courts a crime, advocacy to the public a crime. But in Jack Smith's case, when does the law, when does the Constitution even matter? If you've got a political problem with somebody, hire Jack Smith, especially if it's a federal matter. He'll take it to Washington, D.C. To that judge, that's a Biden hack. (laughs) And by the way, she has been the most ruthless judge in sentencing any of the J6 defendants. She hates Donald Trump, a Barack Obama appointee. Another attorney said that political speech is being criminally persecuted. I mean, they're lining up, are these constitutional experts that are saying those things. These charges are politically motivated like no charges we've ever seen before. This indictment reads like it was written by Adam Schiff himself or by the January 6th committee itself. That's Gene Hamilton. He served as vice president and general counsel of the America First Legal Foundation. It's a rehashing of a bunch of First Amendment protected activity describing things the president said and did and drawing conclusions and pushing forward with a legal claim against, legal counts against Donald Trump, saying that he violated a criminal law because he questioned the outcome of an election. Because he questioned different things a lot of Americans also have questions about. Now remember this, Smith already got a 37-count indictment against Trump. That came out in June based on an investigation into allegations surrounding those classified documents, which was supplemented with a superseding indictment issued Thursday that included charges against Carlos de Oliveira, a maintenance worker at Mar-a-Lago, the Florida state owned by Trump. We're in a situation now where dissent, where political speech is being criminally prosecuted at the highest levels against the primary political opponent of the sitting president of the United States. If that doesn't shock you, I don't know what will. I've not seen or heard a single reputable constitutional attorney that's come out on any of the far-left MSNBC, CNN, ABC News, CBS, NBC, any of those shows to try to make a case that constitutionally 
makes what Jack Smith is doing okay. In fact, the opposite is exactly what's going on. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it. For a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? Everybody needs to listen up right now. Got some big news for you at the top of our number one tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central Time. Congressman Mike Johnson's going to join us, and we're going to have him for a while. And obviously, he is a constitutional expert himself. Obviously, he's going to bring the rain on all of this Donald Trump, not impeachment anymore, but criminal prosecuting going on. There's some other stuff he's going to visit with us about. The whistleblower, those meetings that they had in uh, the House committee meetings there, and some of the other stuff that we may not have seen. But he's going to, and listen, when I say 9 o'clock sharp, you be here at 9 o'clock sharp. When we do our intro that we do every day, coming out of that intro, we're going live to Congressman Mike Johnson. He's a busy guy. And I want to make sure that everybody understands that he's here and why he's here and make sure that they uh, uh, that they get a chance to listen to what the congressman has to say. There are other things going on that are pretty important. The Washington Post, by the way, not a conservative bastion of news at all. They informed us yesterday that illegal immigration jumped 30 percent, 30 30% last month. The numbers spiked 30% in July amid claims by Biden's pro-migration border chief that new policies, listen to what Mayorka said, you heard him say it right here on this show, their policies are reducing illegal migration. The numbers are revealed by preliminary data collected by Customs and Border Protection data. U.S. agents made more than 130,000 arrests along the Mexico border last month, 
up from 99,545. That's almost 50,000 votes. Votes, listen to me, we're talking about elections. 50,000 more illegals. The inflow has jumped in Arizona, partly because the Texas government is trying to block movement across the Texas-Mexico border. Large groups of migrants, this is from the Post, large groups of migrants from Mexico, Central America, and Africa even, have been crossing in recent weeks through the deserts west of Nogales, Arizona, to surrender to U.S. agents, straining Border Patrol holding facilities and transportation capacity. This inflow comes as border officials are being ordered to not stop or block migrants, but to focus instead on registering and then releasing the migrants into the United States. Now, why haven't we heard more about that? The Washington Post is the one we're going to to get this report. Their report on the July 130,000 number doesn't show how many were excluded or how many were flown back to their home countries. These are just the ones that we know stayed. The Post also noted that officials invited an additional 50,000 economic migrants to cross through the quasi-legal CBP-1 scheduling software. And that's the software where they can go in online and they can register to appear at any one of our legal border entries at a certain date, at a certain time, and they would not be turned around and sent away. They would log in and then they would be given a court date at which time they're supposed to come back and appear so the judge can hear their case. That's all on top of what numbers we just gave you. That number, 130,000, also excludes 30,000 illegal migrant gotaways who sneak across the border and the roughly 30,000 migrants who are invited to fly from their home countries through the airport parole program. The additional inflows above the announced 130,000 number deliver at least 100,000 migrants every month into our U.S. communities, our housing, and into our jobs. But if 100 of July's 130,000 arrivals were allowed to stay by Border Chief Alejandro Mayorkas, then the July inflow would be roughly 200,000 migrants or more. Now that will add up to roughly two and a half million illegals coming here, being here, staying here a year. 2.4 million a year. Wow. Something else I wanted you to listen to, and this has to do with the Democrats and with Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, you know, that's still out there going on. (laughs) Of course, this, every time, these three indictment processes against Trump, every time one of those happens, either the same day or the day after, special counsel Smith takes legal action and indicts former President Donald Trump. There's still a bunch of Hunter Biden crap going on. While Democrats try to throw Trump in prison, they're saying Joe Biden's an international weatherman. 
Have they pointed to anything to suggest that Joe Biden engaged in corrupt behavior? No. He was on some phone calls talking about the weather, talking about the weather, exchanging pleasantries. Democrats are now admitting, yeah, Hunter put Joe Biden on the phone with China, Ukraine, Russia, Romania, and Kazakhstan. The New York Times even says it's long been known, quote unquote. But they're also saying, so what? It's not like Joe was talking business. Joe was just asking for weather forecasts from billionaires in Beijing. That's been the secret all along. It's why Hunter was paying for Joe's private phone line and buying burner phones. You have to buy burner phones when you put your dad on the phone with your billionaire buddy to talk about the weather. Joe couldn't risk anybody hearing him talk about that snowstorm in St. Petersburg. Sure, a vice president asking about the humidity in Mexico might be a bad look, but what'd you expect him to do? Be a bad dad? Maybe he is guilty of turning a blind eye to some of his son's uh, behavior. And we should put this in context. This is a time when Bo Biden, the president's other son, was ill and then dying and then, and then passed away. Uh, so perhaps he was not as attentive to what he should have been here. We know how important family is uh, to the president. And so do you hang up on your phone, on your, on your side? Democrats are admitting, yes, Hunter put the vice president of the United States in touch with his foreign clients, a felony under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. They're admitting Hunter committed felonies. And they're admitting Joe was an accessory to said felonies. But Joe's just a nice guy. And nice guys don't hang up on Russian billionaires bribing their kids. And Joe doesn't even know who he's talking to half the time. Hunter Biden would put his uh, father at a dinner, not at a business meeting, at a dinner that he was having if he happened to get a hold of his father, and would ask his father to say hello to whoever was at the table. Most of the time, Joe didn't even know who the people were at the dinner. The new defense is Biden doesn't know anything. The mouthpiece for that defense is Democrat Dan Goldman, who now identifies as Adam Schiff. He's transitioning. Goldman, you're telling me not once did Joe Biden ask, hey, Hunter, I'm a little busy in the Situation Room with Barack. You want me to talk to who? Patrick who? Oh, Patrick Ho. Quote, yeah, Dad, he's just the effing spy chief of China, and he's paying me one million. Oh, that's great, son. Remember to shut the garage door and... Don't spend all the money on crack. Every time Hunter took Joe to the Cafe Milano to meet all of his business partners, Joe never asked, Hunter, who are these guys? How many times do you have a two-hour dinner with someone and come out of it thinking, who are these people I just spent two hours eating with? When Hunter brought his Chinese partners to the White House, Joe wasn't a little curious. Uh, hey, Hunter, who are your friends and how'd you get them into the White House? Hunter was putting phone calls on Joe's schedule to talk energy deals. Joe didn't ever stop and ask, hey, Hunter, what's this meeting you just put on my calendar? Or how about this? Quote, I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment has not been fulfilled. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows, that you will regret not following my direction. Did Joe think Hunter was threatening the Chinese to pay up or his pop would just ask him about the weather again? Seriously, guys. The other defense is this. Hunter was selling an illusion. Source in the room telling CNN now that Archer did not point the finger directly at any sort of a connection between Joe Biden and his son's foreign business dealings, and rather, you know, um, said that he was, that Hunter Biden was selling the illusion of said access. 
If this was an illusion, then that's some crackhead magic. The Bidens were in business with billionaires. You think these are the kind of guys who'd get tricked by a crackhead? You're telling me when Joe's brother Jimmy emails Hunter saying, quote, you need to call me now. Just got off the phone with your father. He's meeting with, oh, some outrageous acquisitions. We have the two biggest days of our business life in front of us. That's an illusion? <laughs> or how about this letter from Jimmy Biden telling some Qataris, quote, Your Excellency, my family could provide a wealth of introductions and business opportunities at the highest levels. If that's an illusion, then I guess the 20 shell companies are illusions too. And the offshore bank accounts are illusions. The 170 suspicious activity reports are illusions. So are the burner phones and the six Biden email aliases. Oh, and the voicemails from Joe. Hey, pal, it's Dad. It's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Not, nothing urgent. just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, is going to be printed tomorrow in the Times. was good. I think you clear. So uh, how would Biden know Hunter's in the clear if Joe didn't know anything? In the clear from what? In the clear from an illusion? And somehow have an illusion gave foreigners access to the White House. Hmm. The illusion got a Ukrainian prosecutor fired. The illusion got Chinese approvals greased. The illusion even got a Russian billionaire off the sanctions list. It got them everything these crooked foreigners wanted. And it got the Bidens north of 50 mil. Even got Hunter a shiny diamond. When the Chinese are paying your family diamonds, is that an illusion? That's a real rock. But you can't prove any of that, CNN says. It's all a big gray area. We all understand um, that a lot of these uh, relationships operate in the gray areas intentionally, especially when you have uh, somebody who is either related to a, a a famous person or a powerful person or used to work for a, a powerful person, you want your clients to know that you can get them on the phone. Yeah, but if Democrats think this is all just a gray area or an illusion and Joe Biden is just a weatherman, then why was Burisma paying Hunter 80 grand a month? For weather services? He was getting paid for years. Don't you think if they found out it was an illusion, they'd find out pretty quickly? Remember, FBI informant said the Ukrainian CEO thought Hunter was dumber than his dog. And if Joe wasn't involved, why'd they cut Hunter's salary in half after Joe left office? You're telling me Joe Biden forgot how to forecast weather as soon as he left the White House? And when Devin Archer says Hunter was selling the Biden brand, he wasn't talking about Hunter's brand. Hunter has no brand. The brand's Joe. And now the brand's teetering. And Democrats know. The brand. <laughs> the brand is now Joe. Wow. Isn't it interesting? There's all of this, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. In other words, the goose or any people in politics that are Republicans, the gander, Democrats. And so, hey, rules and laws for thee, so says the Democrat Party about the GOP members. Rules and laws for thee, but none for me. I'm a Democrat. Hey, all the uproar over um, special favors being taken by Supreme Court justices, 
Well, Justice Sonia Sotomayor's taxpayer-funded staff, guess what they did? Just really being nice. They organize events. They're still doing it to sell her books for which she has made a paltry $3.7 million since joining the court back in 2009. Her salary on the court? $285,000. In 2019, she hosted an event at a Portland public library for her book, Just Ask. Before the event, a Sotomayor aide emailed the organizers, informing them they had not bought enough books. For an event with 1,000 people, they have to have a copy of Just Ask to get into the line. 250 books is definitely not enough. That's the aide talking to them. Staff push books at other events as well. Before events at UC Davis Law School, University of Wisconsin, Clemson, Michigan State, taxpayer-funded staff pushed organizers to buy books or to buy more than their original order. Some books were shipped to the Supreme Court where her staff brought them to her to sign in her chambers. In other words, folks, rules for thee, but none for me. Don't forget Congressman Mike Johnson at 9 a.m. sharp, 9 central tomorrow morning. Don't you dare miss it. I hope you made it through the day tolerating me. (laughs) Have a great one. There's no